Welcome to Collisions YYC, Beyond the Echo. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. In this special series of episodes, I tackle the question of how does the world see Calgary and what can we learn from it? This is a journey of curiosity, of taking the time to gain the insights of the people that are outside of our day-to-day conversations. I'm seeking to learn where there are gaps, misunderstandings, and most importantly, opportunities for us to grow. During this intense period of economic transformation, I'm not willing to leave any stone unturned that may give us an advantage for the road ahead. Join me as I chat with thought leaders, innovators, and the movers and shakers of the world to learn their perceptions of our amazing city from beyond the echo. Hello and a warm collisions. Welcome to my guest today, Mr. Mark Pavlopoulos. How are you, Mark? Good, Tyler. How are you today? Good. Did I get that last name right, right out of the gate? Uh, it's a tough one, Pavlopoulos. Uh, you- Pavlopoulos, okay, thank you. I'll get it by the end. I'll get my head wrapped around it. Again, like I said, offline. Like, Just get the name right, Tyler. Step step one. Mark, thanks for coming on today. I was introduced to you through someone I just had on the show, hasn't aired yet, Miss uh, Carrie Vickers, who I had a great chat with a couple weeks ago. She's going to be coming on, uh, be airing here in the, ne- in the next few weeks. And she said, you know, Tyler, you know, you need to talk to, you need to talk to Mark. Mark runs two companies, Path to Canada and Syndesis. And we were talking about tech talent and we were talking about the view of tech, the tech, the tech scene in Western Canada, the tech talent scene in Western Canada. And she said, you know what? There's one person you need to talk to and that's Mark. So let's start by introducing to the audience. I'll turn it over to you. Walk us through a little bit about kind of what you do day to day. What is Path to Canada and what is Synthesis? Cool. Thanks. Thanks for the intro. Just um, quick background on me. American based in Silicon Valley, but I've lived in Canada twice. Did my MBA at Western at the Ivy School, uh, London, Ontario. Couple years, came back to Silicon Valley, um, where I've been based in San Francisco. Then ended up back in Canada a few years, working venture capital in Toronto. Another tech company came home, so that came me gave me kind of a unique perspective of an American in tech realizing there's lots of advantages in Canada, and that that time in Canada. Um, together with my time in the U.S., it helped me start both of these companies. That's where the ideas came from. So okay. if, uh, the, a quick overview of Syndesis, I started six years ago. I wanted to give Canadians who were in Canada who didn't want to move to the U.S. but wish they could do a cool Silicon Valley or New York job, I wanted to give them, them the opportunity to work remotely. In the U.S., a lot of my friends who ran tech companies, startups, um, VC-backed tech companies, there was always a question about not enough talent, challenges around people being too far away. And every time I mentioned, hey, how about you know hiring people in Canada, building a team up there? The question from the Americans was, oh, that's a good idea, but I, I don't know how to do that. There's different laws up there. I, don't, I haven't figured out how to do this cross-border thing. And when I launched the company, I actually launched it with Canadians. So I reached out to... Canadians in Silicon Valley and said, hey, I you know, have a way to employ Canadians remotely and, and build engineering teams in Canada. And it was actually the Canadian CTOs, VP of talent, et cetera, in the US who became my first customers because they said, well, did you figure out that cross-border piece and the remote employment and recruiting? Did you make, can you make it seamless for us without incorporating Canada? We may not be ready for that yet. And I'm like, yeah, I solved all that. That's where I, I ended up building the company as a remote employer on one hand. And in the other side of the business is a recruiter. Um, two different businesses, but they kind of go hand in hand. Some people use one, some people use the other, some use both. 
And fundamentally, this allows me as a US-based corp to not have to set up because if I'm based in Canada, I have to deal with all of like Canadian employment laws, tax remittance, all the logistics that we all know and love as Canadian operators. But if I'm in the US, not only is it very different, that almost make, would, it, would you say it almost made the expense not worth it for them? Or was it just, it was just a barrier of like, I don't know what's behind that curtain and I don't, I don't have the time or energy to find out. It was both. It was, uh, some of them did the research and said, and, and their CFO said, we don't have time to have dual corporate structures, dual taxation etc. This is complicated. So they'd say, Mark, handle this. But what I've seen the conversations over the years, and this is just happening right now, one company in San Francisco, first they hired one person remotely in British Columbia. Now they have 25. And the conversation with their exec team was, okay, Mark, now with 25 people with you remote, employing them remotely, now is time to launch our Canadian corporation. Now we have a critical mass. You know, you've bridged us into Canada. You, you've run things for us for over a year but it's time for us to take the reins now. And at that point, I'm happy to say, hey, I'll introduce you to lawyers, accountants, um, payroll. I can map the whole thing out for you to run your own because I've done cross-border for six years. So I view it as for some companies, it's like, hey, we're employing one or two people. It's it's no no reason to set up a corporation. If you're you're doing 10, 20 more people, the the, the cost structure is probably in your favor to build it, your own corporation, and then you can do it when you're ready. So as I always tell the American companies, I will handle things while you ramp this up, but when you're ready to flip the switch and do your own, I can also introduce you and and build you out your entire Canadian structure with all my contacts. What a, what a fantastic like test and learn, crawl, crawl, walk, run, whatever corporate metaphor you want to use to give them a chance to get established. Typically, are you seeing that, you know, let's get too dark in the weeds because I'm sure there's many different companies doing many things. This is simply like, we just need more talent and they're, they're north of the border and they're typically going to be they'll be reporting in or managing into a team or working in with a team down in base, based in the U.S.? Is it strictly a talent play or do you see them also sometimes transfer into like, okay, now we want actual boots on the ground because we want access to that market, not only from a talent, but from a customer perspective? It's the majority of my conversations are around talent. So being based in okay. the Bay Area, the price, the, the cost of talent's ridiculous. So the cost is high. And then there's this odd phenomenon where Google, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, the usual suspects, they've bid up salaries or put $100,000, $200,000 on the table to get an engineer to move. So there's a fear of a US company. You may have someone awesome, but that person's known. And if they're on LinkedIn, they're getting calls from a recruiter at any point can get pulled away versus when I have a conversation. And then there's the immigration issues in the US of a lot of US tech companies are using the H-1B work visa program. And there's many challenges with that. You know, it doesn't matter who's president. It, this goes back decades. This program has, has some, a lot of flaws in it. The conversation I always have with U.S. tech companies is, hey, you could build a team in Calgary. You could build a team in Vancouver. You can build a team in, you know, anyone in Toronto. We've built multiple of them. You have a lower cost structure, but you also have similar time zone. You have top, you know, Canadian universities. The talent is just as good. And the turnover is less, too, because you don't have that craziness of a, of a Google uh recruiter calling up and saying, here's an obscene amount of money to leave. That's, you know, generally so, not so literally, in, in that, that case, case walk across, across the street. street. So the barrier for them, you, you throw some money at me. I'm already here. I'm already going to like, it's just, I'm changing my commute a little bit to, to get, get to, to the, the, to the new office kind of thing. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a different, you know, good talent, but also some of the challenges of the U S aren't there. And then lastly, there's the immigration side, which, you know, Canada has a great work visa program, Global Talent Stream. The goal, it's the Canadian version of an H-1B, but the program's brilliant. It's innovative. It's, it's Canada recognizing there's a shortage of talent, 
putting an immigration program, a work visa program in place to bring people in rapidly. And it's a great way to solve the talent um, challenge that also exists in Canada. But unbeknownst to the American companies, if they were setting up corporations up here, they could they could uh, take advantage of this program. All the big players, Tyler, the Microsofts, the Googles, the Facebooks, they set their Canadian corps up years ago. They move their H-1Bs who can't stay there, and then they recruit globally and build their operations there. It's a new opportunity for both sides, for Canadians who want to work for cool U.S. tech companies, for tech immigrants globally, and for the U.S. companies to set up shop in Canada. Interesting. So if I'm just going to map this out, I'm a tech immigrant globally. I'm not in Canada. Getting an H-1B visa to come to the U.S. is incredibly challenging. And obviously, it's been in news and more topical, I think. But like you, like you said, this has been going back. It's not, we can't tie it to a certain presidency, for example. This is an ongoing issue. But they can come to Canada. So thinking about Path to Canada being one of your business in Sedesis, is that kind of where they differentiate and play kind of two different roles in terms of meet these needs? Yeah, that's... it. I learned about Global Talent Stream, Canada's work visa program, a couple of years back. A few of my clients have approached me and said, we have people who can't stay in the U.S. Um, you know, you've built a team for us in Canada. Can you, you know, introduce us to a Canadian immigration lawyer? Could you help us understand the Canadian work visa program? And that's where I learned, you know, about Global Talent Stream, what Canada was doing. And I thought, wow, this is brilliant. So I was able to help a couple engineers through Syndesis, you know, move from the U.S. office up to Canada. But then it dawned on me of, I started, you know, you quickly do the math and you realize tens of thousands of H-1B workers, these are people who have, you know, a lot of them U.S. tech education, U.S. experience. If you lose your job or something goes wrong with your visa, any number of things that derail you, your status at some point is over in the U.S. You have to leave. And so every year, tens of thousands of, of you know, very smart, dedicated um, people in technical field go back home. They go home, maybe 60, 70% of them go home to India. They go home to China. They go home to Ukraine, Russia. And I was looking at that brain drain. I thought, well, wait a minute. Uh, this, If I want to take advantage of this, I need to set up a separate company. So that's where I set up Path to Canada last year. Canadian corporation, two goals. One of them is I want to help these former H-1Bs and tech workers build a tech career. It's unfortunate. It is, uh, it is awful that they cannot stay in the U.S., but in this case, I have a solution, work for Canadian tech companies. So I can also build out the Canadian tech world, um, the companies up north by helping them access this talent. As I often say in my conversation with the tech companies in Canada, you, you have first access to someone who, you know, we vetted to make sure they can get into Canada. We vetted them to make sure that they are wanting to move to Canada and their tech background, but you don't have to compete with Amazon Canada or Google Canada. You're talking directly to this person. If they're a great fit, you can sponsor their work visa, you can bring them in, and they can join your team. So it solves a problem that a lot of Canadian tech companies have. It's a win on both sides. I don't want to sound like an opportunist, but that sounds great for Canada, <laughs> to be totally blunt. <laughs> We're getting an excellent access to talent and providing an excellent opportunity on, on every front and you know, boosting up our, our talent pool. That's, that's, never, that's never a bad strategy, building up your bench strength, if, if you will. So when you look at it across Canada, obviously, Global Talent Stream, that's, those are federal federal programs. Is there any different difference from province to province? Like are, do when, when people come in from abroad, do they typically land in more populated centers like a Toronto or a Vancouver? Or is there anything from a provincial level that makes it more appealing? Or, or is that really neutral? Just kind of curious the hierarchy when we break down past the federal level, what part of the country do they tend to arrive or land in or decide to move to? My understanding is Toronto and the GTA gets over 50%. 
Like there is a, I, I would believe that. Yeah, it's like that is becomes the the main hub, and it, uh, it it correlates with most Canadian tech companies are there. So you can, you, from a starting perspective of volume, that's where most people go. I do get inquiries from people saying, you know, number two question comes up of Vancouver. Um, so it becomes Toronto, Vancouver. Those were those where the conversations start. And then, yeah, Global Townstream obviously works all across Canada. Each province has their own um, PNP, Provincial Nominee Program. That's where each province is saying, hey, we've got some specific needs around tech talent. Here's what would help Manitoba. Here's what would help Alberta. And for example, the in British Columbia, they have a Provincial Nominee Program. There's a tech test pilot that's focused just on bringing workers in. It's a combination of you get your work visa and you get permanent residence. So some provinces have been are more aggressive, saying, "Hey, look, we can even, you know, we can even do better than Global Talent Stream." Oh, we can sweeten the deal. Okay, I pre- I, I appreciate incentives that create the right outcomes. Yeah, and that's I think um, British Columbia is, does well with that with their PNP program. But yeah, it's it's a good point. There's what I find is there's education, there's a conversation with the tech worker because they're not going to look at Canada and say, yep, I'm familiar with it. I can see that, you know, the Canada, you know, the tech market is number one, Toronto, number two, Montreal, or number number two, Vancouver. They haven't mapped it out. They're more curious of where does opportunity exist? So in our case, we may be telling them, hey, there's a super cool company, you know, based out of Calgary. Hey, you may not know about Alberta, um, low taxes, uh, cost of living is quite a bit lower then the question sometimes becomes, what is your goal as an immigrant to Canada? You know, by the way, look at Vancouver, there's high housing prices. If that isn't a concern, hey, there's a great, you know, there's a lot of great tech companies there, great tech, tech talent, you know, great opportunity to work there. And sometimes we hear the conversation of, oh yeah, I did some research. I just, you know, I'm looking at Calgary. Wow, it's affordable. I can live there compared to the crazy prices I might've had in the US. So in some cases, it's more of an education of letting people know, like, here's where you could move in Canada. Here's the advantages of each city and province that most te- uh, tech talent coming into Canada, they wouldn't have that knowledge up front. Fair, yeah, no, fair, fair enough. Unless they, once they start doing the research. So from from both sides, that, that makes sense from tech talent coming in. It's our job to educate them. And just, of course, I say our job thinking about Calgary, thinking of, of Alberta. If you don't tell your story, sometimes no one else is going to. But when you're down in the States and, you know, part of the part of this show, this is going to be a ver- the, the version of the show we're going to use Beyond the Echo. You've got a unique perspective because you're outside our market, but you're still involved and, you, and, you, and you're engaged with it. What is the perception when you say to a tech company, like, you know what? I think we should build a team in Calgary. Do they say what's a Calgary? Like what, how, how does that unfold in that conversation or, or the variety of such? Yeah. So with Cindy's, I have that conversation. Like a lot, some, the question first comes up is where's the biggest pool of tech talent? Um, that's usually okay. one of the first questions the Americans ask. And I'll say, okay, by volume Toronto, but also know that you weren't the first person to discover Toronto. Many U S companies do have a remote office there. There's Canadian companies, Shopify, et cetera. Prices have been bid up. So sometimes I'll ask the, the Americans, you know, the one understanding I want to get from them is, do you have a geographic preference? Do you want to align with your team time zone wise? Sometimes that becomes the first issue. It was a call yesterday where a company said, Mark, we're West Coast. Um, being in Calgary or Vancouver is interesting. The three hour hop to Toronto is, we would prefer not. Okay, now, now yeah. we're into a tech talent conversation. But I always would say, hey, look, I always emphasize, hey, you know, Alberta from oil, you know, energy, et cetera, the province had a tough time. There are great universities. There is a pool of talent there uh, that, that it may not be as big as what you're going to find in the GTA, but it is there. Do you want to try? 
And in some cases, a U.S. company may say, hey, look, yeah, we, we will, we're open to an exploratory conversation about that. Let's talk to your recruiter. Let's talk about um, the jobs you want to hire for. And I said, sure, we can give you timelines to hire and salary, and you can compare that to other provinces. To me, that's the best way to do it. Just have the reality check phone call. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Is there any other incentives? I appreciate, obviously, salary, time zone, some of the kind of more obvious ones. I don't want to minimize them, but they seem like they would be on my checklist. Is there anything else they look for in terms of, is there programs? Is there municipal, like, is there opportunity, office space? Is there certain, like, does Calgary provide incentives for a business to come in and set up? Does the province, is there anything else they look for in terms of that would incentivize them or help maybe that we're not doing, but things that we maybe could do that you see happening in other jurisdictions? Like, what can we learn from here to be more attractive to some of these companies from the U.S.? It depends on which model. If they just want to hire, if they want to use the remote employment service and say, hey, look, Mark, we could use two, three, four engineers, five, eight. Then the question is about quality of talent, salary, and availability. Uh, There's nothing else that they would look for from uh, city of Calgary or city of Edmonton or province of Alberta. They're just quality. it's, It's those issues they hit on right away. If they're thinking about an office, then they are comparing usually across Canada. Then it would be like a, they would be talking to the different economic development groups, you know, Toronto Global or um, BC Trade and Invest in, in BC. Then they may be saying, hey, we're comparing cities. We'd like to know what's possible. And then the, the, then the door opens up to what you said of what's office um, space, not during COVID, but let's say pre-mid-March, it would have been, what's office yes. space? We, we, we should comment on how that's maybe changed things even in the last eight months because that is, that is a, you know, a left hook that's caught us all in the chin in one way or another. <laughs> yeah, and that's, it, it has. So what, what I now hear con- consistently as I talk to Canadian companies about, hey, do you want, you know, when I'm talking to them about Path to Canada, do you want H-1Bs? The Canadian companies mostly say, we've decided to go remote. So yes, Mark, we are based in GTA, but we have a couple people in, in Calgary. We have a couple people out West. We're open. We're open to where someone wants to go. I'm hearing that constantly. Same with the Americans. When I say, do you want this conversation this week? I said, do you want to pick a city to set up? And they said, well, yeah, if we're doing a 10 or 20 person team, we would like to focus. But hey, Mark, just note that we are open to remote here in the US or, or European operations. We are opening it up. I'm hearing it more and more of things really okay. pushed in that direction, that it doesn't have to be a geographic city. It's nice that people can collaborate, but the demand isn't there. 2021, 2022, it may revert back to, okay, it is great to collaborate, but right now remote's acceptable. It makes it, yeah, we don't know. It's interesting that the, the recoil and the, you know, we, we adapted it because we had to. And I think a lot of companies have embraced it. It'll be interesting to see how it flushes out and how that dictates, you know, some of the, well, your world. I think that could have a huge impact on terms of like, I don't know, I think it creates a lot more freedom for the employee and, and the employer, but there are going to be some trade-offs. And I, some things I think we're going to, that as you run it out over time, some of those gaps in culture, maybe level of engagement. Again, some companies have been remote for years and kind of laugh like, well, hey, this isn't new for us. We've already been doing it. So, I think it is really interesting, and my crystal ball is is a little is a little cloudy into what we can see six to twelve months from now. <laughs> yeah, same. And I'll give you another. You mentioned COVID effect on business. When the pandemic first hit uh, with Syndesis, I felt a lot of fear because I've been work I've been working for in tech. I've worked for seven VC backed startups over twenty years, so I'm used to you know so when when the economy turns bad, you know layoffs happen, you know belts are tightened. I'm used to that. 
to my surprise, my U.S. clients did not lay off any of the teams in Canada. We had one client who was entertainment focused, had to lay off a team of four. For the most part, the Americans left the team in place. Then the first thing I saw, I heard from COVID was inquiries from Canadians saying, "Hey, I've got a job offer in the U.S. I, you know, my I have my TN visa lined up. I can't cross the border, Mark, and the company wants me to move to Silicon Valley." I'm frantically looking for a solution. I Googled remote employment and found you and Syndesis. How does this work? I'm like, we can employ you in Canada short term until you feel safe crossing the border. So all of a sudden COVID hits, the Canadians who couldn't come down start contacting us as well as their employers saying, I don't think it's safe to bring someone down. Let's remotely employ them. Play that out over six or seven or eight months, Tyler. And now the new conversations I have over the last couple months are, Canadians in the U.S. who, when they were told to go work remotely, some of them went to their apartment in San Francisco or New York, looked around their expensive apartment and thought, company's shut. Why am I here? Is home yeah. my apartment in San Francisco? Or is home my you know parents or my where I used to live in Vancouver, um, Toronto, Montreal? So a lot of Canadians went all the way home. Yeah, and I've I've run into a few people from the, even some of the tech startup conversations I've had. And I was having a Beyond the Echo episode with a with a young lady, Kathy, and she was like, "Yeah, I've been in. I was in New York. I was in, but she was now I'm calling you from my parents' place in Calgary, and I've been here for six months. So you know, I've run into a few of those where they went down because of the opportunity and the need to go where the go where the action was. But then all of a sudden, COVID changed it, and now they're back, quote unquote, home, as you said. How do you define that? And uh, and say we're going to go back but it's been amazingly successful like it's still working like we were we, we didn't really miss a beat it's interesting how the world like think things that seemed impossible became possible in 48 hours yeah and that's that one's interesting because now i get phone calls saying hey mark i've been home for six months is is, is this legal i've got my laptop with me i'm working for my u.s company they're paying me in the u.s i'm sitting here in you know in i even had a call with someone uh from Toronto, I, I used to live in, in downtown Toronto for a couple of years. So I could see out the backdrop, all the, the 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 skyscrapers and the gardener. I'm like, oh, you're you're right in downtown. And they say, yeah. I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, so you got U.S. stock options, and you don't have access to U.S. healthcare, and you're in Canada, and and he's like, yeah, all those things. What's the CRA going to say? When do I notify them that I'm no longer in the U.S.? What's the rules? You know, what's my employer? Is is this? Is did I do the right thing? And that's becoming now we think thousands of Canadians went back and now the questions are coming up. So we're addressing that next week um, because it's a fair question of what happens to my U.S. immigration? What happens to my TN visa? What happens to my green card if I had an application? When does the CRA all of a sudden say you're Canadian again? So yes. we're going to address that because those are all good questions of it's not so simple like get on the plane, take your laptop and go home. It's well, you have a U.S. job that U.S. immigration was, you know, that you got with U.S. immigration status with a TN. What's going on now? So we're we're diving into that, you know, to help out Canadians in the situation because you can imagine what we hear. People look to the U.S. and say COVID rates are bad. You know, this is going to be another year till vaccine comes out. And and again, we're happy to support Canadians if we have we can temporarily help them with the with the move back home, go back to the U.S. when things are better. It's, that's the kind of, that's the business we're in. We're happy to help. Well, so many variables and just so many people I just don't know. I made the best decision based on what was available to me at the time, but I don't know how to go forward. So if you think about Calgary, obviously that's the, the thrust of the show is how do we draw more attention into our ecosystem here and what we have to offer. From the outside, I, I guess any thoughts or recommendations is this, do we need to do more roadshows and get down in the valley and get 
get it, get some PR and get some FaceTime in front of some of these US companies to put Calgary on the map. And and again, Calgary is known, but not to the degree that Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver are. It's just a fact. People can send me hate mail if they want. It's true. When it comes to tech talent, have you seen even with your recruiting, like what can we do to get ahead of it? But also, is the tech pool growing here? Like, are you feeling confident that, yeah, if I need to go to Calgary to find some resources, it's better than it was a couple of years ago? Or what, what are your optics on maybe both sides of that, that question? Kind of, I bolted those two together on you there. Um, so marketing and making the Americans aware is, is one question. And then second, if they become aware, can it be, can the team be executed and be, can you execute the, the plan and build in Calgary? So is, cover- is, are, are we, which direction is that trending in that second question? Yeah. So I'll take that one on first. The tech talent does exist in Calgary. So what I see is the, the, the talents there is the pool as deep, you know, volume wise. No, it's not as deep as what you'd find in Toronto, but prices are being bid up. So yes, it, depending on the tech stack you want, I think a team can be built in Calgary. You can, what I always tell the Americans is you can build a team, you can start off with, with Canadians. And then if you want to grow it, you can always you know, set up, move your H1Bs to Canada you know, look at this as a longer term thing, you know, start hiring a couple of Canadians, you have H1Bs that can't stay, move them to your Canadian office, incorporate up there. And then over time, take advantage of global talent stream, bring global tech talent into your office in Calgary. Look at, look upon this in, in a short and long-term view. And even if you don't have enough talent, you're bringing tech talent in from around the world into Calgary. It is a low cost place in Canada. It is a great place to get started. You know, you can, you can spell, you can have a story you know, like that to, to tell the people who want to join your company. So I would say if there isn't enough tech talent um, locally, Global Talent Stream allows the companies to bring it in and be very targeted with who they want to bring in. Okay. The challenge is you put it, uh, is getting Calgary and Al- Alberta on the map, that takes time and marketing spend. So you have to be, I think you hit it, you, you have to be actively marketing to the Americans because it is not going to show up that it's an option for a U.S. tech company to open a remote operation in in Alberta. They will go to the names they know most. Vancouver and Toronto will come up. It would be up to economic development groups, either at a city or provincial level, to be active in the U.S. And I know there's a lot of spend with that, and I know that that is a longer-term play. But even even what I just mentioned, even in uh, educating the Americans on here's what Calgary is, here's why it's unique right now, here's the, unique, uh, the economic situation of the province, here's why it's really red, readily open for business, here's the low cost of real estate when that rebounds, here's a super cool Canadian immigration program, here's provincial programs. You can bring the best talent of the world here, you cannot do that in the US, doesn't matter who's president, H-1B program is not gonna be reformed dramatically, you will face the same challenges look ahead and realize Canada is the best, is a great place to build a remote team. And there are some specific advantages to Alberta. That is some costs and some, some marketing spend that will have to be constantly done to get the attention of the Americans. No, I appreciate that as a marketer, that always on concept and, and, you know, the old adage of the world of marketing, reach and frequency. If you're not getting it out there and it's hitting them with the same message over and over again, you know, one and done doesn't, doesn't ingrain. And so what's the old, um, if you can't go there with your mind, you'll never go there with your wallet. And I think that's a real good example. If you don't know what an Alberta is or even understand and picture it in your mind loosely where Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, they they have their own weight to them. Forget forget even the talent story, just culturally, geographically, everything that goes on. So uh, down in the US, do you run into, and 
this is for the CED audience and for any of the any of the Calgary groups that are out there doing this. Do you run into any groups or do you run into any messaging or anything in your market where you say, yeah, well, yeah, there's there's Calgary getting on the radar, there's Alberta getting on our radar. Do you guys do you, do you even see anything? Does it does it percolate to the surface down uh, down in your part of the world? Meaning, meaning basically Silicon Valley. Not enough. So I would say, okay. if I want to think of one obvious example. So uh, Communitech over in Waterloo, they put some billboards up all through Silicon Valley. You can see them on the 101 freeway, one after another, promoting, hey, here's the benefits of you know, Canadian immigration, et cetera. Now, I wouldn't, if I was Alberta, I wouldn't rush out and say, it's your time for billboards. I would want to know the, how effective it was, did it get the point across, you know, and is that the right way to be getting the attention of the Americans? But it was for me when I see them, I, I'm like, that's pretty bold. Yep, you got press around that. You got some attention. But those, like you said with marketing, it's continuous. It's not just doing one thing. You'd have to be trying that. So yeah, I, I, I can't say I hear, I hear enough from American companies uh, about, hey, Alberta's our choice number three. It's just going to have to be a more consistent marketing spend. And I don't know if it's pulling marketing stunts like that. Do those work? Don't know. But definitely I noticed that and I got some press. Do you have to do those? Do you have to do that level of thing to stand out from the other provinces to say we're unique and spell that out to the Americans of here's all the advantages to you? Well, Communitech's a really good example. And I think Waterloo, when I've talked to some of the guests on Beyond the Echo that are down in the Valley that have Canadian roots, but they've gone down there to 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 live out their their tech opportunities and some of them exited. And so many of them talked about Water University of Waterloo getting cohorts, getting people down in the valley on 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 work opportunities through the university. And they've you know, it's a 20-year strategy to get Waterloo on the on and Kitchener on the on the radar. It's not just one billboard campaign, but that's just another breadcrumb on the journey. And right now, actually, friend just Messaged me on sidebar, but friend just messaged me. They were walking through downtown Toronto, and there was a Live Tech Love Life, which is the Calgary Economic Development's pro Calgary tech community ad up on a big major billboard in downtown Toronto. So I got a little sense of pride off that. So they are doing some of those things, even in, even in Canada, because the cost of living in Toronto versus the cost of living in Calgary, I wouldn't even want to guess the percentage. But just if you're going to compare condo to condo, you're probably half the price, if not less, in Calgary right now, specifically to Toronto. If less than that, probably more like like 30, 40% of the cost. But if we don't, if we're not doing a good job sharing it in our own country, like, you know, it's a multi, it's a multi-pronged approach. Mm-hmm. Something you mentioned about talent and maybe, maybe this is, I'm getting way down to, into the weeds here for you, but when you said, depends on what kind of a tech stack you're looking for, do you see, does, is there any, uh, any knowledge or any awareness of like, wow, go to Alberta if you're looking for machine learning data scientists. You know, Edmonton has a really good reputation for what they're doing at Amy. Do you run into any specifics around, hey, you know what, if you need this kind of talent, Alberta's really got that going? Or is it more, is there anything specific like that that comes up that maybe someone leads by asking you the question? I think if I look at Canadian cities that have branded themselves, like Montreal gets the AI tag. Like, you know, I think there's a Microsoft or whatever US big companies have opened offices up there. You know, that's one, that would be clear of like, there's one sector of of tech that, you know, they they have been very clear about that. So, but I, I don't, and then if I, you know, back in the, you know, back in the day, you'd say, okay, Ottawa, Canada, when it comes to networking, okay, that, you know, that, that still kind of comes up of like, okay, that city's branded with that. Okay. But then it's kind of wide open. So maybe there's an opportunity there for um, universities in Alberta to say, 
you know, these here are programs. Here's who we tune. Here's the volume of graduates that are coming out. For example, in AI, et cetera, is that a chance for the province to say, like, look, we have these universities that are established. You just don't know Americans. You just don't know about this. You could be building an R and D facility here, et cetera. You know, can can you copy the same thing that Montreal did? Perhaps uh, I would say the Americans would have no knowledge of Canadian cities outside of that. Looking at each city, saying, "Hey, here's what they're famous for." Mm-hmm. And I think Edmonton, just like, for the sake of conversation, are doing a really good job with Amy, the Alberta Machine Intelligence Institute, and Google put their deep mind uh, literally down the street. There's some really good things happening in Edmonton, and you know, if we speak provincially, but I don't know if it's getting told on a global stage. I was on a on a conference in Europe, and I ran into a um, you know a piece on what they're ha- doing in Edmonton, and I learned more off that than I did, and I live in this province. So there's something broken there a little bit. And Alberta's Albertans are classic for head down, ass up, and uh, we forget to tell story. I'm going to say that very boldly because that shows up on the podcast all the time. Like, ah, oh, yeah, you know what? Like I was just too busy doing the thing to go tell anybody I was doing the thing. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting for, um, for me as the American, the perspective of living in both countries, having multiple cross-border companies. I mean, Can- up until COVID, I was, I was traveling in Canada once a week constantly. So when I, I I'm used to the 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 American marketing attitude, like like there, there's things where it's just kind of like it's like sometimes it's like it's too much, but then <laughs> when I flip that and I go into Canada, I'm like I'm like nah, you can you can be a little more pushy. Like the billboards showing up, I'm like good. And I remember um, back in the day, I, I, I guess uh, when Minister Kenny was uh, um, immigration minister, I remember like a couple billboards going up that were very pushy in Silicon Valley. And I'm like, good, great. That calls it out. That works fine in the States, but I don't think that would be like, especially I can see Canada over the last four years saying, no, actually we can't do things like that due to the current administration in Washington. There's things where you might not have wanted to be pushy. It was probably better to like, let that to fly under the radar, but with new president coming in, I think it would, you know, maybe that's an opportunity for Canadians to, just to do more of those um, marketing splashes in the U.S. Because to your point, the Americans don't know. I've sat in many meetings where I, w- I would describe, here's how great Canadian immigration is. Here's all these programs they have. And I see the reaction from the American HRVP or or engineering leader or something. They're hearing that and their mouths drop open. They're like, I never knew, Mark. I, uh, this is all brand new information. I did not know Canada has these great programs for immigration. I did not know anything of what you're telling me. And I thought, okay, that's. I'm going to stick that one on Canada, either the country or the provinces. You've got 100%. some greatness. You've got some great talent. You have great immigration programs start advertising to the Americans. That's get pushy, get in there, start showing up more. It's going to cost, obviously it's going to cost, but it would, the, the Americans need an education on this. They simply don't know a lot of the benefits of Canada, specifically about yeah, Alberta. You're not going to buy, you're not going to buy something you don't know about. You're not going to engage. You're not going to bring it up. And and then just even talking about the the sales funnel, if that's the first time they heard about it, then you're just getting started working your way down to actually engaging. But, you know, every time that they move a little bit farther, quote unquote, down the funnel of like, oh yeah, no, I've heard of that. Or yeah, I've actually experienced it. Or you know what? We took a chance. We put a couple of people and it actually worked out really well. And seeing that opportunity. And for you, have you seen a lot more like, are, are the tech, are the tech companies in the US, are they busy? Like, is things still continuing? Like, I know the economy is on an interesting tear down in the U.S. and there's so much, uh, especially the tech companies through the last kind of eight months. 
are, are you busy? Obviously, you're busy because you're helping people solve their problems. But are you also seeing the is the demand for talent it continuing to rise? Yes, to my complete shock. I was expecting a okay. recession, and other friends or the discussion was, "Oh no, we're bummed. Bad that bad things are happening." And then it never happened. Interesting. For the tech community, for other people in, in other obviously yes. other other sectors, entertainment, restaurants, etc. People, the retail. There are a lot of people hurting. Tech slowed down. And then I noticed both sides of the border, hirings continued. When I talked to my recruiters in Canada, across Canada that work with me, the response was, yeah, things were fuzzy for, you know, four, six months. And then by midsummer, the hiring of senior talent resumed and the shortages and all the challenges are right back there. And same in the U.S., hiring resumed or and then the, need, the, the need for talent resumed. Tech does not seem to be hurt. So therefore, COVID has been you know, a slight effect on tech, but it's you know, distributed people, made them remote, opened up some newer opportunities. But I have not seen a slowdown in hiring. It is resumed. That's interesting. So to me, I'm hearing a huge, you know, business opportunity for a province like Alberta, where we are looking to redefine who we are, looking to define maybe even who we are to people that have never heard about us. But that opportunity to capitalize on what is in place from a federal perspective and bringing that talent here to hear you talk about it. I have, I have to go talk to someone in Silicon Valley to find out about the awesome things that are going on here, which is arguably the whole point of the show is to expose people to ideas and concepts of like, oh, wow, like, I guess, you know, and you also take for granted what's in your backyard, right? Yeah, we've got this great quality of life. Yeah, we've got these great immigration programs. Like, let's do that. Canada's been built on bringing people in to add value to our to our economy, to our culture, to our diversity. To me, we're really well positioned. We just need to, <laughs> we need customer acquisition. We need to go tell our clients, i.e. being the American tech companies, what we, what we can offer here and be a little bit more diligent about it. That's, yeah, this is a positive call in my mind because if we haven't been taking advantage of it, that means we can <laughs> and that that's upside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point you brought up. Of of there's making the U.S. companies aware of what's possible in Canada, but then there's also like I've been on like last summer I had a couple uh, webinars, few hundred people on, mostly tech immigrants to the U.S. on H1Bs, and the dozens and dozens of phone calls I had afterwards to um, with people who wanted to follow up and reached out. The common theme was. Yes, we have a relative. Maybe we heard people going to Canada. We're doing some research on permanent residence. The majority people are, you know, immigrants are now starting to look at like U.S. number one, Canada number two. And for some, it's Canada number one, U.S. number two. It's Canada is starting to build a brand among like tech immigrants as a place to go. But being on these events and having people say, well, Mark, what's this global talent stream? Tell me more about this work visa program. How do I apply? How do I get? And I'm listening to the information. I'm thinking, okay, there's a lot of knowledge, not just to be shared with the Americans, the American companies saying, open up a branch here. Here's the great things you could do in, you know, in Calgary and Alberta. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a separate marketing that could be done by the province of, hey, to immigrants in the U.S., to tech immigrants in the U.S. who are on H1B saying, you need a plan B. You know, here's companies in in Alberta, you know, willing to, you know, here's what Global Talent Stream is. Here's, you know, here's some of the tech companies in Alberta that are hiring using this program. We, we can get you in here. We have a way to help you. Like spelling that out through webinars and information. I've now spoken in front of hundreds of people on the subject and I realized no one I was talking to had any clue what I was talking about. 
They, they were in the U.S. on H-1B. They were familiar with the H-1B work program. There was no like outreach saying, you know, here, you know, here's H-1B, here's Global Talent Stream, here's all the advantages of Canada. You've been doing this in the U.S., but if you came to Canada, here's what you could do. Or in Alberta, here's the companies that are open to hiring um, tech workers via this work program. Just some education on that. Again, costly. You have to have budget for it. But highlighting saying, hey, if you want to take matters in your own hands and, you know, come to Canada and, and, and leave the U.S., here's why, you know, here's the great things of living in Calgary. Here's cost of living. Here's quality of schools, access to the Rockies, here's quality of life, like all the things that are unique to Calgary. There could be a whole, it's almost like two marketing plans, one going after the companies in the U.S., getting a heads up to them. Then the second is just trying to, trying to draw the pool of talent in using global talent stream saying, look, you, you could come here too. That's interesting. And that's, that's a very motivated group because they have a problem they need to solve. So even if you just, even a basic search campaign, like be fi- be findable, you know, first, first rule of, 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 the, of the internet, if they can't find you, they can't buy from you. I'm out there cause I'm that individual. I'm frustrated. I'm not sure what path to take. I have a sense of anxiety around like, am I not being able to stay and do this job that I have? Oh no, no. You can just go North of the border and we'll take care of it for you. To me, that's a really, you're providing a solution to somebody who's looking for it as well. And there's potentially in a place of, of pain in terms of like not being able to solve their problem. It makes, it makes it feel like a, and when you think about that group of individuals, the H1B, is that thousands? Is it tens of thousands? Like I just have no scope around kind of what the size of that group of individuals is in the US. Maybe that's a hard one. To, I'm sure there's a stat somewhere that, that has that. So the lottery system in the US, it, you have hundreds, a couple hundred thousand people applying for an H1B work visa every year. So the volume in the, yeah. So then you have the people applying every year. Then you have the volume of people who have the work visa, but then feel trapped. So unlike in Canada, you get a, if someone moved into Canada on a two-year work visa, they're a tech worker, they come in, the company in in Alberta, um, say one of the local tech companies sponsors them, they come in, the work visa is two years. But in parallel in two years, they can get Canadian permanent residence. Now they're set. Now you can live your life in Canada legally. You can be on a path for, for being a citizen. In the U.S., you can have a work visa every two years, H-1B. It's renewable. And if you're from India, you're on a 30 to 40-year wait to get a, a green card, uh, which is permanent residence. Wow. So now you have to, to your size of the scope of the number of people. You may have a couple hundred thousand people transitioning in or out, you know, trying to get the H-1B on the first hand. Then you have another group of people who have it saying – am I in the right place? Is this where I want to build my family and build my life? What else is possible? Then you have another people who, pool of people who've lost their work status in the U.S. Maybe they got laid off. Maybe they got their, something was uh, U.S. immigration. It was nitpicked their application and ripped it, you know, ripped it to shreds in one way because the politics kind of push um, people in the, in the program in the U.S. to say no, as opposed to saying yes to people who are applying. Then there's that group of people who has to leave. So there's different there's different groups of people in the U.S. on different work visas or in different statuses, finding a way to market to them directly. But that that pool is, yeah, it isn't tens of thousands. It, it is hundreds of thousands, um, and, and probably and constantly you, in a state of churn. Is what I'm hearing. As yeah, well. new students coming in every year. Uh, you know, that, that's another place where Canada has a huge advantage. Is with you know with student visas, Canada's the numbers. I've seen graphs showing the numbers of student visas for engineering schools going up. Well, there's mm-hmm. decline in some places in the U.S. As, as the opinion of the U.S. has gone down internationally due to current you know, immigration policies, due to right. maybe Trump policies. 
you have declines of international students coming into universities. So the students that do come in when they graduate, if they don't get a work visa within three years, they try for every year you try to get in the lottery, over 200,000 apply, only one third get it. If you don't get it at the end of three years, you have to leave the U.S. So again, there's if Canada was reaching out saying, oh, you have a U.S. education, you have a few years experience, here's your plan B. You could come to Alberta. You can work for these tech companies. They're, they're happy to interview you to see if you qualify for global talent, you know, if you qualify for global talent stream. I think there's, a, again, a lot of marketing that could be done to these mm-hmm. different groups in the U.S. at different stages of life. Well, just the opportunity in the U.S., you know, has a longstanding reputation of the land of opportunity. And like, obviously, you've got these large, large global players that are based out of the U.S. If, if Canada can take even a little piece of that and say, yeah, no, this is equally the land of opportunity because we have some amazing quality of life and great companies here. But now you're not limited. You can work for these U.S. companies and still be here. Like, that's an interesting shift in that story to take. I'll be honest, I'm going to t- take a page from the American book on, you know, you come here because there's lots of opportunity. Well, we should be doing a little bit of a better job telling that same story here. It's a slightly different version, but it's still our version. Yeah, it is. And, and, and you can, there are definite advantages for Canada when it comes to immigration, like a longstanding, you know, uh, friendliness towards immigration, the, the aggressive numbers that were just released over the last couple of weeks, um, 400,000 plus Canada's targets to bring people in. It's like, you can look at that and say, it's like, you know, I see those numbers and I I know, hey, Canada is is immigrant friendly. They're trying. They have all the programs in place. But in the U.S., knowledge of that is extremely limited. Perfect opportunity Mm -hmm. to to get the the word out of like, here's here's the reasons you'd want to come to Canada. And here's the reasons you'd want to come to Alberta. Here's the here's all the benefits. Well, there's the, the hard the hard benefits of employment, cost of living, things like that. Obviously, in the U.S., there's some, a lot of cultural challenges. As, not that we don't have those in Canada, but I think Canada globally has a, maybe a different reputation for acceptance, inclusion, diversity. They're, they're, again, I'm not, we're not without our challenges, but I think, like you said, taking advantage of the fact that the U.S. over the last four years has become very divisive and has, has shifted its how the world looks at it, I believe, has shifted. And hopefully that shifts in a different direction with a new administration. But this is an opportunity for us to take advantage of that and, and, and get out there ahead of the message, which I'm hearing loud and clear from you. And I like that because that feels like an opportunity. That feels like something, well, there's a lever we can pull. We just need to go do it, which requires money and, and buy-in and all those things. But at least uh, having the opportunity to step one, then now you have to go grab it. So I appreciate that perspective. It's kind of opened my eyes to some of the things that I, maybe I take for granted just because I live here and that's just kind of the way it is versus we're in a market right now in Alberta where we need to do things differently because the world that we've relied on for... 60 or 70 years has changed structurally under underneath us, whether, whether we like it or not, <laughs> whether we want to stamp our feet about it or not. Yeah, true. The, the, with the energy sector, et cetera, yeah. tech, yeah, just to, to what it takes to become a, a tech magnet and set up your operation and, and market yourself so that people know about it, both from the companies opening up operations and from the immigrants with a tech background who can get into Canada um, on the innovative programs. Yeah, you're right. There's, there is definitely work to be done and and there's an opportunity. Yes. Which I, this this show's all about, all about realities. And at the same time, based on the realities, what can we, what can we do to be better for the day tomorrow? So Mark, I really appreciate your perspective today. You've certainly opened my eyes to kind of what, all the all this the reality of also how this world works because I also find if you're not involved and you don't have to go through it, there's it's really a black box of like, well, how does this even cross border work? Or, you know, how do you bring people into Canada to join your workforce from abroad that could be very talented and qualified for the role? It's it's until you have to deal with it, it's definitely not something that you learn in, in business one oh one. You should, <laughs> especially now with global talent being such a backbone to our success as companies. But um, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? So we got people listening that are like, hey, we need some of what your two organizations 
organizations offer? What's the best way to connect with you? Uh, two different ways. So if in, in terms of syndesis, I would guess of Canadians who are who might have returned home or remote employment or people who want to, you know, I, I build engineering teams in Canada. That's Mark, M-A-R-C at syndesis, S-Y-N-D-E-S-U-S dot com. On the flip side, yeah, Canadian tech companies in Alberta saying, hey, we'd like to have access to some of the best talent in the world, U.S. educated, U.S. experienced, who can't stay on H-1B. Happy to help grow the Canadian tech sector in Western Canada um, through Path to Canada. We've, uh, you know, we're building up our database and we're signing up Canadian tech companies. So best way to reach me there is Mark, M-A-R-C at P-A-T-H number two, Canada.ca. Excellent. And, and you are very easily found on LinkedIn as well, which is such a, such a fantastic resource. It's my professional creeping platform of choice for sure. <laughs> Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. You've opened my eyes to a lot of really excited about what the possibilities are and some of the realities that uh, are true value propositions that we have here in Canada and in Western Canada, we just need to capitalize on. And that's a, that's a good, that's a good day and a good conversation when you walk away with that. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tyler, for having me on the show. Have a great day. My pleasure. My pleasure.